Morning Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And I'm Toby Howell. And Neil, just a quick preview of what we'll be talking about today. Has the lid closed on Tupperware? The iconic kitchen brand is on the edge of going out of business. Dun, dun, dun. Also, we're talking fifth division English football. That's all I'm saying for now. If you know, you know. Also, we're going to chat about new revelations about how poorly SBF ran FTX. Pretty juicy stuff. And Toby, you're going to teach us millennials on what the youths are up to in our weekly segment on an emerging trend to keep an eye on, which I like because I don't have to do any research and you just kind of teach me. Uh, But I also want to bring up, it's the first, it's the 101st day of 2023, which means we've lived through 100 days of the year so far. I was thinking about what we would put maybe in the time capsule of 2023, the first 100 days. Definitely a Chinese spy balloon. That captured all of our attention. SVB collapse sparked a banking crisis. Chat GPT taking over the world. And and we became podcasters. <laughs> Those the, are the main four events the, I can remember of 2023. I think we want to sprinkle in some Pedro Pascal in there as oh. well, because he kind of took over entertainment for a while. So it seems like a solid time capsule, though. All right. Uh, hopefully the next 100 days are less eventful, I think, than the first 100. It was kind of busy. Um, to kick off the show, I want to circle back. Yeah, I used it. Bite <laughs> me. Uh, to the abortion pill ruling we discussed yesterday. So to recap, in an unprecedented fashion, a Texas judge suspended FDA approval of an abortion pill that had been on the market for 23 years. We talked yesterday about how a judge going over the top of the FDA was a huge deal for the pharma industry because it kneecaps the FDA's authority and could freeze development of drugs because they could be suspended. Why spend billions developing something and a judge comes in and says, you can't, <laughs> you can't sell that anymore. So the entire industry in response got together and they do what execs do when they're angry. They wrote a strongly worded letter. Very scary. 400 leaders in biotech and pharma wrote an open letter blasting the ruling, saying that the decision completely disregards science and could upend their industry. And I quote, any medicine is at risk for the same outcome as mifepristone, they said. Yeah. A, a big tack that this letter was kind of taking is that it actually targets innovation in the industry as well, because they say if regu- regulatory uncertainty, it reduces the incentive yeah. of investing in new drugs. So why would you, again, spend billions in dollars developing an experimental new drug to get FDA approval only for that approval to then be revoked by a court ruling. So they really took the the, the tact of saying this might just kind of torpedo drug research and new innovation. So I can see why they're upset. What struck me is that many of the signers had nothing to do with reproductive health. Pfizer barely makes, barely has any kind of mix in with the, the abortion pill production, but he, his, the CEO, Albert Borla was kind of the headline name and sort of exposing how, how big of a problem this is could be for the wider pharma industry, not just for, for drug makers that make abortion pills or other reproductive health. Right. And it was interesting, too, to see that not only was the pharma industry pissed off, as shown by this letter, but also the legal experts are saying that this sets a horrible precedent as well, because then they're saying if you start legislating or making rulings based on political lines, then other experimental drugs might be under fire, such as an HIV preventative. So it's a slippery legal slope and then an even slipperier uh, biomedicals, uh, 
slope as well. Final word on this. I just kind of want to zoom out to companies increasingly taking stands when it comes to social social issues, which has been called corporate activism. You see it happening with Disney that came out against the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida, and now it's in a feud with Ron DeSantis. When it, that's been increasing in recent years, it kind of wasn't a thing for all of this abortion Roe v. Wade stuff. It's such a sensitive issue, and companies mostly didn't touch it at all. This, to me, is the first time that I can think of that a that companies and a huge sector have kind of, you know, put their voice into this debate. Mm -hmm. No, no, it's definitely, <laughs> we said it yesterday, unprecedented. But yeah, when you attack potentially a pillar of research in the uh, drug community, obviously you're going to elicit a response. So that's our update on yesterday's story. Neil, we're going to go in a totally different direction now. Tupperware is in trouble. Yes, you heard that right. The company that has become eponymous with the product it sells is in deep trouble. So the stock fell more than 50% yesterday on news that the company's on the verge of going out of business and won't have enough cash to fund its operations if it doesn't secure additional money. So how did it get into this place? Basically, Tupperware's business model is stuck in the 1970s. Their main sales channel, which I learned very recently, has is the once groundbreaking, I'm saying that in quotation marks, of having existing customers make sales at Tupperware parties in people's homes. But that ain't working anymore, Neil. No. <laughs> you called it, what did you call it earlier today? I forget. An MLM scheme. It is, no, it, it's not an MLM scheme. It is a multi-level marketing company. Right. Where it, It's it, not necessarily a scam, but yeah, they had these representatives of moms, basically. They weren't working for the company, but they would host these Tupperware parties, bring all their friends over, show, you know, I guess package up their day-old green beans and then sell it to their friends. Yeah. And then you could also make a commission, you make a commission on that. And then you can also make a commission if one of your friends also becomes a representative and then you get this, you know, they call, you know, it looks like a pyramid a little bit. Right. So you get this pyramid scheme. Just wild that that was Tupperware's main sales channel until- It pioneered it, yeah. It was yeah. One, of the, one of the first that, you know, pioneered multi-level marketing, I think. I was reading up the first one was in the 1940s, but this mm -hmm. kind of came on the scene in the 50s. Yeah, but I don't think many of us are going to Tupperware parties anymore. I know they tried to do it online and then, you know, the Zoom Tupperware parties was <laughs> even worse than the original. Yeah, that does not sound fun. But some of, just to highlight how precarious of a position Tupperware is in right now. So they need to raise money in order to keep afloat. And one of the reasons why they're finding it tough is because they don't really have assets. It doesn't really, it's a very asset-like company. Mm -hmm. So they they have their production facilities, but beyond that, like there's not, they don't have any really physical retail stores or anything like that. So they're finding it very difficult to raise money. There's also very little innovation going on in the company still. There, there's a really funny quote that th this company used to be a hotbed of innovation with problem-solving kitchen okay. gadgets, but it's really lost its edge. That's from an analyst. And I just think it's funny to think of Tupperware as this one innovative, cutting-edge kitchen technology company. I mean, I take my leftovers seriously, don't you? Yeah, but you, we, we were saying that right now, you probably jump on Amazon yeah. and just get the cheapest option. You cheapest get, option or just the one with the most reviews. Um, and I don't know what the brand is. I, I brought in lunch today and I just looked at the cover and I was like, oh, glass, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what it is. Just had great reviews on Amazon. And, I, and the reason that Tupperware is failing right now is because uh, young people uh, in their kitchens have no affiliation with this brand anymore. Right. And then just to finally 
zoom out and into more of a trend uh, um, portion is that the pandemic was a big surge for Tupperware where a lot of people started cooking at home and they started packaging their stuff up in Tupperware. So it did get this little pandemic boost that is definitely wearing off now. People have emerged into society once again. And so Tupperware is kind of feeling the effects of it. All right. Well, maybe Tupperware will die, but the name Tupperware won't die because I still call it. It's an epidemic. Yeah. I guess I call it Tupperware. Right. It, It will never die. It will never die. All right. Let's move on. Um, Toby, imagine you bought a house that you knew was a fixer-upper. You knew you had some issues with it. You knew it needed a new kitchen. But as you do your walkthrough, you keep finding more problems that you know you have to clean up. That's basically what's happening with FTX's new management team right now. So after they took over Sam Bakeman Freed's crypto exchange when it went bankrupt, they've been going through its documents to see what really went on there. And it was total chaos. Yeah. Total chaos. They released a new report yesterday that exposes just how casually, and I mean casually, SBF was running this $30 billion company. Here are a few details. Expenses and invoices for sometimes tens of millions of dollars were approved by an emoji on Slack, which obviously doesn't leave it for perpetuity. I can't find anything on Slack. So you have these invoices that are just kind of lost in the ether. Financial controls were basically non-existent, and SBF knew that. He said his hedge fund, Alameda, was hilariously beyond any threshold of any auditor being able to even get partially through an audit. Okay. And then that's because he treated his company's cash like I treat a pair of cheap headphones. (laughs) He goes, we sometimes find $50 million of assets lying around that we lost track of. Such is life. (laughs) So basically, my eighth grade robotics club had tighter financial controls than FDX. That's honestly such a flex to say we found $50 million in assets lying around. I guess I was reading Matt Levine's newsletter, though, that said if you could find $50 million of assets lying around, you probably might find $50 million of liability lying around as well and if you don't know what's going on under the hood that's a real and that's what brought them down because they didn't know about eight billion dollars in liabilities right exactly and i also just think an interesting angle to this is john ray the ceo who has taken over it keeps releasing these reports trashing fdx and it's a really interesting thing because his job is to return money to make creditors whole again yeah. return some of the assets to the people who lost uh money in fdx but here he is he keeps trashing the very company he's supposed to be I don't know, saving or turning around. It's not normal, right? It's not normal, but maybe it is normal in the sense that he's showing that, look at all the due diligence we're doing. We're really getting into what causes yeah. problem and so we can return your money. But yeah, it is a little bit of an interesting tact. Yeah, I, I also want to just highlight some more nuggets from, okay. from this report. So one, they kept private keys to a ton of the their FTX's group's crypto assets in the in an Amazon password manager that okay. if anyone had the password they could they could access. They also stored virtually all their funds in hot wallets. The difference is between a hot wallet and a cold wallet in crypto is a cold wallet it's not connected to the internet. And so they're you're not supposed to keep customers assets in hot wallets because it makes them very liable to hacking. And here they were on Twitter, Sam Bankman-Fried was saying like, oh, we're using the typical like cold wallet storage system. No. Going through hot wallets. Everything was in hot wallets. So just basically lying. And they, Matt Levine had another great quote that's saying FTX was great at talking like they were running a reputable crypto operation, but they weren't actually running one. Meanwhile, though, as we're all feeding on the carcass of FTX, Bitcoin... <laughs> Out of nowhere. So yesterday it hit uh, above $30,000, which was its highest level in 10 months. 
it's up 81% year to date. It killed every other major asset in the first quarter. It's still 57% from its all-time high, but over $30,000, when you get this symbolic round number for whatever reason, yeah. it, get, it gets people like us talking about it. It gets people like you listening to it. <laughs> right. And then saying, you have this FOMO situation, and you know they're, they're saying that some of this rally is fueled by you know increased levels of adoption in Hong Kong. So... It's also banking crisis helped for sure too. Yeah, like this, we saw it uh, jump when SVB kind of went under because yeah, Bitcoin is the antidote to the traditional financial system. So you can see that. But I also just want to do a check in yes. on the Bali G one million dollar Bitcoin bet. So just from some background, this guy made a bet that Bitcoin will hit one million um, in price in ninety days. Where Where's he at? He has 65 days to go, <laughs> and Bitcoin's at 30,000 okay. right now. So he needs another increase of 969,884. This so, is a $1 million bet. Yeah. So he's going to lose a million. Dollars. He's almost there. Yeah. Um, okay. That's our, our Bitcoin check in. Um, before we jump into the next story, we're going to take a quick break. Well, it sure seems like no one is upgrading their laptop anymore. Case. <laughs> Look at mine right now. You just get an orange juice spill, you ride it out. <laughs> New data shows that the computer shipments by PC makers fell 29% in the first quarter of this year. It was even worse for Apple, whose computer shipments plummeted by 40.5%. That's the biggest drop since 2000, when Apple wasn't even cool. <laughs> but it's not just Apple. Dell, Lenovo, and Asus shipments fell more than 30%. HP, which I guess is still around, fell 24%. What's going on? I was reading into this, and it turns out that people buy laptops and PCs in cycles. Typically, the lifetime of a laptop or PC is three to five years, which honestly seems a little low to me. Like, who are these people who are replacing their laptop every three years? But since a lot of people kind of upgraded their home setups and their work-from-home setups during the pandemic, everyone kind of got on the same cycle and now we're in this lull period where everyone just upgraded in 2020, 2021. And so now they have no need to buy these computers right now. So I think what we're seeing is something that is a macro trend and we'll probably see a pickup in sales once people's yeah. pandemic computers kind of cop out on them. I don't know. This does not seem like a very exciting or growing business Right. Hardware, laptop hardware. I mean, you don't see any startups being like, we're a new laptop company. Mm -hmm. Feels a little bit like cars, like internal combustion engine cars, where you're just getting these upgrades every so often and no one's kind of producing. There's, there's very little growth in the industry. Everyone who has a laptop already has one, and all they're doing is exchanging an old one for a new one, which is kind of where we are with the smartphone market as well. Right. I mean, if we want to look at Apple in particular, though, it is kind of a, we call it a drop in the bucket. Their sales of Max. It's only 40 billion, which is wild not to say. That but that only makes up 10% of their overall sales. Yeah. So it is not their, their growth driver right now. Their growth driver is actually services revenue, mm -hmm. which accounts for 20% of their revenue. Apple Music Classical. Exactly. No, that's, their, that's where they're devoting all their resources right now. So their services revenue, that means iCloud, Apple Music, Apple TV, Apple Arcade and Fitness Plus. Yeah. This is this has been kind of Tim Cook's baby in the post Steve Jobs era. Yeah. He's really leaned into services. So I think what we're seeing is kind of the death of one era of Apple. We might be overstating it in the rise of its new. <laughs> you saw me shrug. <laughs> well, era. iPhone still accounts for fifty-two right. percent of sales. It is a so profitable yeah. iPhone. You can charge over a thousand dollars for it. So I, I wouldn't. Write, I think hardware is still the cash cow while services may be growing. But you know the growth areas also could be Apple. Watch 
watch. Um, and then what is the other? Oh, AirPods. <laughs> I don't have any, <laughs> but you do. Yeah. Uh, that's like a three hundred dollar product that you, you they are selling headphones. Constantly. They're selling headphones for three hundred dollars. I mean, that's pretty good. Yeah. And then the big hardware release to look out for is coming in June, which is this mixed reality headset. And you know that is hopeful. That is what Apple thinks is going to be the next iPhone. That we're all going to be living in the metaverse yeah. one day, and we need one of its headsets, and it's going to charge upwards of three thousand dollars for it. I really hope whoever the powers at be who make these decisions at Morning Brew lets us buy one and try one on air because oh, yeah. that's good content right there. It's so, great content. If you're listening, Austin. Um, all right, Neil, let's move on to Toby's trends. Um, I'm back with another segment where I, a Gen Zer, take you, a millennial, through a new internet trend that has come across my radar. I was actually mulling over a new title for this segment, term- Terminally Online Toby. That's maybe better than Toby's trends. We'll workshop it. Um, all right, but onto the trend. This pack we- past week, my internet travels led me to a Substack post from a social media writer named Rachel Carton. Rachel was scrolling through her Instagram feed when she noticed a video from the clothing brand Reformation. This particular video was of a woman talking about the state of of dating right now, and it showed a picture of a Hinge profile with a guy standing on a horse. And I only say that because it's a pretty recognizable video, one that Rachel was pretty dang sure that she had seen before. So she did a little digging, and she actually found that the exact same creator had posted the exact same video in January But in the more recent video, the only difference was she was wearing a Reformation shirt. So through some digging, she found a couple more examples of this. And it turns out this is a social media strategy that Reformation is employing where they're paying creators to recreate their video frame for frame, shot for shot, but wearing Reformation clothes. So it works. Is this SpawnCon? Does it say sponsored by Reformation? It's on Reformation's brand page. So it's not on the creator Oh, they're page. not posting it again. They're not posting it again. It's literally just Reformation is taking these viral videos, copying, pasting them, paying the creators to do so, but just having them wear, it's super subtle. It's not in your face. It's just literally they're wearing a shirt and they and they have a little button that says you can shop this look if you want. So they're just trying to capture the viral moment and extend its life a little bit more and kind of put their own little clothes on it. I think it's genius because here you're basically have no risk because you know these videos are going to go very viral. When I say viral, the video I mentioned, it had 2.6 million views on TikTok in January. And then the one that they posted on Reformation's brand page has already has 1 million views. So you're basically taking a formula that you know that works and just inserting your brand in a very I don't know, subtle way into it. So I was like, this is almost, this is pretty genius. Yeah, And some of the commentary actually marketing brew wrote about it some people are calling it sneaky and smart but then there's also this idea of it's potentially kind of entering the uncanny valley where you're scrolling and you know you've seen something before and it mm. gives you the sense of unease or like am i living in a simulation did i not just see this video like a few months ago so it is rubbing some people the wrong way but i'm actually all on board this strategy it seems like uh many other brands are probably going to do something similar right so now reformation has seen success that is truly when we are going to enter the simulation where all we see is the same videos <laughs> reapplied over and over again with just slightly different brand activations within them. So it's a little dystopian, but right now I think it's pretty uh, genius what Reformation We is. should do that. We should sponsor a, a creator with a viral video and just have them wear Morning Brew stuff. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Or I, was, I thought you were going to say we should just recreate viral videos oh. on the show. <laughs> Our own viral videos, of course. Um, okay, that was Toby's trend. Uh, we're 
I teased the next story, our final story at the top of the show. We're going to get to talk about fifth division Welsh, uh, fifth division Welsh football match, which I know you're excited about. Oh yeah. Now some people's ears perk up when they hear that, but others probably have no idea what I'm talking about. So for anyone in that latter camp, I am of course talking about Wrexham AFC, the soccer team that Blake Lively's husband Ryan Reynolds and Always Sunny in Philadelphia creator Rob McElhenney bought together three years ago with the goal of promoting this small club from the fifth division of English football all the way up to the first division. So now Wrexham is currently in the fifth division. It's an absurd goal that Rob and Ryan are trying to pull off, but they have this multi-year docu-series that they're producing with uh, Hulu, and they have this huge marketing spend that that they are uh, building up their social medias and using their power as these Hollywood personalities. But so... The big news is that yesterday, Wrexham defeated Knotts County 3-2 to two to put them in the driver's seat to potentially get promoted to the next tier. And this was a wild game. Now. I know. Is it weird that I was actually watching it live? No, because <laughs> they're huge now. Everyone knows Wrexham. Right. So uh, there was 3-2, to two and Wrexham saved a penalty in the 96th minute. And it was just utter bedlam. You know, it was on the front page of the Guardian BBC. And, you know, all, it's all anyone could talk about. And I... I, I was literally watching this game. It's Toby, can you put like give us perspective about how low level this is? This is like yeah, watching my high school game almost. It, the level is probably right around college soccer in the US. That's what I was talking with some of my friends like how good are these players? And Obviously, Wrexham has been able to bring in some players that are probably a little better than the level they're playing at because they have this movie star money. They have this uh, brand exposure. And so that's kind of the level we're talking about. But the fifth division of English football is so far from the Premier League. I, I can't even yes, explain it. Yes, you can't even talk. It's, it's almost like me saying I want to play in the Masters in a couple of years. That's like me sitting on my couch at home and saying I want to be at the pinnacle of the sport in a few years. But that's what Rob and Ryan are trying to do. They're trying to pour money into the club yeah. and they're trying to escape from the doldrums and this game was a huge stepping stone in potentially getting them out of the fifth division into the fourth and you can see the emotion on in the owners i mean we have a clip here of uh ryan reynolds talking after the game i don't i don't feel like i have a heart anymore i think i used all the beats that i had left uh during that that match that was that, that was unlike anything i've ever seen before um and, and indicative of course of uh, all of you lifers who have uh, watched and participated in this game, this beautiful, torturous game for forever. I, I'm actually grateful in this moment that I didn't care about this years ago because it would have just eaten me alive. That was that was really something. All right, well, it's not really an underdog story anymore. <laughs> I know, but because you can tell how much he just he absolutely cares. loves it and cares, yeah, which is but good to see. I would just say the profile is only growing. TikTok is a sponsor of right. their jerseys. TikTok would never go anywhere near this team if it wasn't owned by Rob and Ryan. They're playing in the summer here in the United States against Manchester United <laughs> and, and uh, a bunch of other MLS teams. And finally, Ryan bought a house in this random village five miles from uh, the stadium and so can you imagine living in like a random village like town in Cleveland you know near Cleveland or random Ohio town and then some big Hollywood celebrity comes in uh, they're all in I love it yeah all right that is our show I we're all aboard the Wrexham train hope you are um Toby I got to kick it to you before for a shout out. I know. Quick shout out. I forgot to give my dad a happy birthday shout out. His birthday was on Sunday. I forgot on Monday. So here it is, dad. Happy wow. birthday. 
belated shout out to Eric. Uh, you can always reach us at Morning Brew Daily at morningbrew.com. Please email us. We love hearing from you. Let's roll the credits. The show's producer and ed- editor is Emily Milliron. Our technical director is Uchenna Nwaogu. Uh, our supervising producer is Bryce Beloff, Kai Morgan, welcome, and Raymond Liu are our associate producers. Dan Bauza is our sound mixer extraordinaire, but he does a lot more. Hair and makeup moved to Wales. Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Great show today, Neil. Let's run it back tomorrow. Tomorrow.